When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Wednesday, December 4th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, and I'm joined by our tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes. Paul, uh, did you get out and do any Black Friday shopping this weekend? <laughs> no, I didn't, Joe. I everything, stayed inside. Everything was online? You go Amazon? Was that the route? Was that- yeah, I was doing some. I did one online thing. That was I don't know if it was Black Sunday or not, but or, or Black Friday, but I was I was online. Did you did you take care of the family? The everybody's got their gifts already. You all set, or are you going to be a yeah, last minute? I, I guy? think I'm. I, I buy for my wife. She buys for everybody else. So <laughs> that's I don't. I've got one. I, I like to keep things simple. She knows uh, who she's dealing with. Are you are you a last minute shopper? Is that the is that the deal? Uh, there there are times I've been a last minute shopper, and I usually get in trouble that way. So I try to get it done. I'm not crazy, you know. I'm not doing it in like November, you know, so, but I, I, I try to get it done in early December. Well, I know my, uh, my wife doesn't necessarily have the time because she's a busy teacher, uh, and, and doesn't have time to listen to the podcast on a weekly basis. So I feel comfortable saying that I've already purchased her gift. It was online. It was expensive and it was from Apple because I was in the doghouse to begin with. So <laughs> all right, all right. We're, we, 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 we have, we have made up for it with this, this year's purchase. But, uh, you know, the Indians might be on the uh, on the market, might be doing some shopping here after the, the non-tender deadline as uh, a whole new batch of free agents hit the market. Uh, not likely because, uh, as we've, we've seen the last couple of years, uh, going out on uh, in free agency and, and spending, uh, you know, to any degree hasn't really been uh, their thing. I think the, the biggest signee last year was uh, Oliver Perez. But uh, they did make a trade right right before the non-tender deadline, acquiring uh, Sandy Leone from the Boston Red Sox uh, in exchange for a minor league pitcher, Argenis Bautista. Uh, that means that Kevin Ploiecki gets non-tendered, a guy they had traded for uh, last season and, and brought him in from the Mets. Uh, Walker Lockett and Sam Haggerty were the two involved in that trade, but uh, nonetheless, it means Ploiecki's not going to be an Indian next year, and Sandy Leone will. Yeah, it, it was an interesting. The timing was uh, kind of freaky on the, on that. Uh, the day of the non-tenders, they make a deal and bring another catcher in. And for a while, they had four catchers on the on the forty man, which was you know highly unusual. And then you know I think it came down to it looked like it came down to Ploiecki and Leone. They're both 
know, Leon's a switch hitter who doesn't hit a whole lot. Ploiecki, right-handed hitter, both pretty good defensive play, def- defensively. I guess Leon had a, had the big edge defensively, and maybe that's that's where that's where the that's why they they you know that's why they brought him in. Yeah, I guess uh, pitch framing and uh, throwing up base runners. Leon, uh, you know, was was superior there uh, over Ploiecki. But again, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily fit with the Indians' sort of mo for the off season, as as they're spending an extra five hundred thousand dollars to to sign Leon. I think they got him for uh, for a two million dollar deal for the, the the upcoming season. Yeah, and I, I, I'm wondering if uh, there's a little more concern than they than they've let on about Perez's, you know, Roberto Perez's ankle, or maybe he'll, uh, you know, he won't be ready to, you know, full, go full, go full out at the start of spring training. Uh, maybe he's, uh, and, and they bring in Leon to, uh, as, you know, some protection. You've got Eric Haas behind him. Uh, so, you know, they should be in good hands catching wise. And at least if Perez isn't ready for the regular season, and I, you know, I'm not saying he, he, he won't be, I, I have no idea. Uh, but uh, you know you've got a veteran guy behind the plate that's that's going to ha- knows how to handle a good pitching staff. Right. The procedure that uh, Perez underwent in October was uh, said to be minor and said to be you know just cleaning up loose bodies in the ankle. I think he had a a, cl- a collision of some sort uh, prior to back in like May. Uh, you know prior to the All Star game last year, and you know never really got back to 100 percent during the season, which made you know, what he did defensively and even at the plate, even more special for the Indians last season. Definitely. And, uh, you know, they always talk, the Indians always talk about getting incrementally uh, better. And I guess, I don't know how you'll measure this increment with Leon, but maybe maybe they move the needle like a half inch. I'm this, not is, sure. this, is, this is one of those very, very small increments <laughs> that, yeah. that you could tell. Uh, and, and, It'll also be how you measure probably the way that Leon runs around the bases. I can't imagine him. He's what thirty years old. Uh, you know, has a has a slight history of of you know minor injuries and whatnot. But hey, uh, he has a ring. He he won a ring with the uh, the Red Sox. So you know, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see what he's like in the clubhouse. I know Plawecki was a was a real good uh, clubhouse guy. A lot of the a lot of the players, a lot of the pitchers really got along with him. Mike Freeman got along with him real well. Uh, you know. So you know, that'll be different not having him around. And he, he had a, a, a an infant son who was just uh, one of the one of the cutest kids you ever see. Uh, constantly seeing pictures of him on uh, on Instagram. So yes, yes, I'm that's saying. right. He came out of the bullpen a couple times too. So we'll yeah. have to see if Leone can. Uh, is he a, you know the fourteenth reliever or something? Can, can he pitch? That's the big question. That's right. He's got to be a two way player. Uh, yeah, that's great. So, well, speaking of two way players. Uh, one uh, guy that's on the roster, definitely not a two-way player, but uh, plays both defense and uh, offense at the highest level. Uh, Francisco Lindor, the the trade rumors will only uh, increase and intensify, and the pressure that Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff must be under right now to consider every proposal that's coming at them from these teams, knowing that the Indians are going to have to deal Lindor at some point. And you wrote about the Indians having to be overwhelmed uh, at, at this point to deal Lindor. Uh, there are other benchmarks. There are other dates and, and times when it becomes even more hard to deal Lindor. Uh, just, you know, what are your thoughts on when Lindor 
is likely to be dealt by the Indians. Yeah, it's a uh, um, it's an interesting situation, Joe. Uh, you know, obviously, I think they get the biggest return if they trade them now. You know, if they trade them this off season, uh, the other you know the team that gets them has two years then uh, of Lindor, and then and they and they've got two years to maybe uh, you know offer him an extension that he'd sign. Uh, but the Indians, you know, just you know talking to Chris Antonetti. It sounds like uh, they think they're going to have a good team next year, that uh, they're going to have a t- team that has a chance to uh, get back on top in the AL Central. And uh, they've got a better chance of doing that with Lindor. And I think, you know, I don't think they trade him this winter. I think, you know, the, the critical, what, the next critical point after uh, the, the offseason will be, you know, July 30th. And it, it's going to depend how, you know, how the team is playing. If they're, you know, in contention, if things are going well, if they think, uh, you know, the front office believes they've got a chance to uh, reach the postseason or uh, or win the division, I, and I think they should. You know, I think they keep Lindor and and maybe um, – so if, if they're, you know, at July 30th, if, if you're in contention, I think they keep him. And then they explore trading him uh, – during the winter, the next winter. So if you're a, if you're a fan of the uh, the Marvel comics and the Marvel movies, uh, this is sort of like Thanos. And Thanos' favorite thing to say was he's he's inevitable. Well, <laughs> if Thanos was inevitable, then uh, a Lindor trade is is inevitable. There there's no way ab- around it. The Indians just simply can't offer one of those ten year, three hundred million dollar contracts. Yeah, I just don't see it. I I mean, they've never done it, anything like that. Uh, you know, like what, what's the biggest contract they've had? I, I you know, three years, six, three years, sixty million yeah. for Encarnacion. Yeah, and uh, you know, and they, and they bailed on that one. They didn't, you know, um, they didn't fulfill. You know, he, he didn't fulfill the life of the contract here. So, uh, you know, I just don't see him doing it. I, I, and you know, all any indication you get is no. I mean, I know Antonetti says we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep, you know, be being creative and uh, you know, knocking on the door and. Who knows? I mean, I guess, you know, maybe if, if, if Lindor got hurt or something, he would, he would do it. But I, you know, that's, that's in, on a, on a negative side of it. And we, we saw him, you know, miss, you know, most of the first month of April this year with the, you know, the ankle and the calf injury. And that certainly didn't deter him. You know, he had a great year and he, you know, he went out and he said that, you know, he didn't even think about that. He he was going to, you know, keep pushing and, <coughs> excuse me, and, uh, you know, keep uh, keep going. He showed no interest in signing a multi-year deal. Right. And I don't know that even necessarily the, the contract situation played into Lindor's desire to want to play every game. I, I really don't. I, I think that he'd be that way if he were in his first year of arbitration eligibility or, you know, pre-arbitration. I think he just wants to go out there and, and, and play every day. Uh, that's, that's sort of that, uh, you know, he, he's from Puerto Rico, but that's the that's the Dominican, uh, you know, mindset is to go out there, give me the ball, give me the put me in the in the lineup every day. Uh, I want to be ready to play. Um, and you know, maybe that's from <clears throat> being around Carlos Santana as long as he has. I, I, I can't see. It, here, here's here's what I am 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 parallels to in my mind like you said in your post you talked about uh how it would have to be a deal for like the Bartolo Colon trade 
where you got a Brandon Phillips, a Grady Sizemore, and more, uh, something like Cliff that. Lee too, yeah. Cliff Lee as well. I mean, that's 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 a heck of a haul. Um, if you look, if they wait until the trade deadline, you're looking at something like what they got for Trevor Bauer. Only it's got to be more than what they got for Trevor Bauer uh, because this is Lindor, not Bauer. Uh, and, and they did a pretty good job of squeezing every last ounce out of what they could get for Trevor Bauer. Yeah, and that got, was a great you trade. Got, you got five years of Fran Mill Reyes. You got two months of Yasiel Puig. You got Scott Moss to, to sort of set you up. Plus, you got two other minor leaguers. You got Logan Allen, who's what and, rated one of their, their top 10 prospects. Yeah, so you got, I mean, these are all guys that can, can contribute this year in, 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 at the major league level. So I, I think you're looking for almost double that if you're, if, if you're waiting until the trade deadline to, to deal Lindor. And if you're looking in the offseason, it's going to be less than that. So, yeah, uh, and, and I think, you know, if they've got a chance, but if you, if you have a chance to win, if you have a chance to get to the postseason, you know, we saw this year that, uh, you know, Washington won it as a wild card. And uh, as long as you get in and, and the Indians pitching stays down, they've got a chance. And uh, so I think if they are competitive next season, you know, they are at the mid, the midway point. If they're in contention, I think, I think they keep them. I, I think they really have to be in the tank to trade them. Yeah. I, I think you've, you've pretty much got this last season of him. And then if they make it through this year with Lindor still on the roster, I think he definitely goes this time next year, uh, you know, before the winter meetings next year. Yeah, I would think I would think that's that's probably the the way they'll figure it, but who knows? This uh, things are so unpredictable, you know, you, we'll say that uh he's not going to get traded this uh, next week in San Diego at the winter meetings and <laughs> something could happen and the whole the whole apple cart gets turned over, but I I really don't I I really think they open the season with him at shortstop next year. All right, let's uh, get into some questions here. Uh, Reader submitted questions uh, to you, and we'll, uh, we'll see what we've got. All right, this is from uh, Bill Drummer from Wauseon, Ohio. I'm probably butchering oh, that. Yeah. Now that the Indians have missed out on uh, Moustakas, Villar, and Profar, does it make sense to sign Addison Russell? He has two years of player control left, is a former all-star shortstop who can play second base. He could be the answer to the Francisco Lindor question um, when, when, when Lindor leaves. What do you think about that? Uh, I, I like all those things. There's the thing. You put out all those positive things, and yes, and all those good things about Addison Russell, you, you left out the, the gorilla in the room, which is the fact that he – Missed 40 games last year for violating the league's uh, joint policy on domestic abuse. There's a lot of baggage that comes with Addison Russell. I, I think there's a lot of talent there, and he's certainly a guy who who the Cubs thought was going to be a cornerstone for them for years when they won their, their World Series title against the Indians. Uh, ironic that he, he helped the Cubs win the World Series against uh, the Indians. Uh, yeah, I, I think – he he could be a, a great piece for them if there wasn't the fact that he was carrying all this this extra stuff with him. Uh, I don't know if they they want to you know go through that, but uh, uh, it's it's a matter of where, he's a free agent now. He can sign a multi year deal, and there are teams 
that are definitely going to be <laughs> New York uh, that are going to be willing to offer him more. I, I, I don't even necessarily mean the Yankees. I, the Mets might offer him, you know, a, a multi-year deal that the Indians couldn't couldn't offer him. It's not like you're going to get him on a one-year, five million dollar deal, which is what he would have made in arbitration, anyways. Yeah, that's interesting. I I don't think they go near this guy, Joe. I really don't. I mean, in the past, they've they've you know they've tiptoed around the uh, the domestic violence you know subject with a couple of players, uh, but I really this is a high-profile guy, high-profile case. And uh, I think you're inviting trouble. I think you can go find a, a cheaper, uh, you know, alternative to play second base or third base, whatever whatever decision they make. We are talking about the Indians, who at one time brought in John Rocker, but uh, this is this is, a, this is a different time, a different age. This is not bringing in, you know, the 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 you know John Rocker at least came in and, and produced a little bit for the Indians. Uh, Russell's statistics have, have really sort of dropped off in the last three seasons, mostly because he's been dealing with the, the specter of this suspension and, and domestic abuse case. And uh, by, by all means, no one's making light of anything that he did or, you know, the, the, the accusations of his ex-wife. Uh, I, I personally, I don't think, uh, you know, it's something that the Indians would, would want to deal with. Yeah. I, I mean, Obviously, he was their shortstop of the future, the Cubs' shortstop of the future. You know, he showed they a lot of They were playing Javi Baez at second base. Think yeah. about that. Yeah. So, but uh, I think they can find another another path there. Right. Okay. Uh, next question. Um, this is from uh, uh, Jesse, uh, Jesse Ellis from uh, North Lewisburg, Ohio. Uh, any chance the Indians will bring back Omar Vizquel in some time? capacity he's a fan favorite and could help young players well right now I don't think there's any room on the major league staff uh I I know Omar definitely has aspirations of being a manager someday and being a manager somewhere uh boy I'd I'd love to see Omar just you know on a in in the broadcast booth wouldn't he be great uh oh my god yes that'd be that'd be awesome I I'd love to have him around the ballpark just to just to talk with him, you know, on a consistent basis. But uh, as, as far as on the on the major league staff, I don't think there's any room right now. Um, he's he's a guy who's willing to to coach at the at the minor league level, to manage at the minor league level. Uh, so if that's the case, then you know, if there's an opening there, but I I don't see any any you know, if this is a club that that didn't have a spot for Larry Napoli. And now Larry Napoli is is out with David Ross in in Chicago as a as a an assistant, a quality control coach. Um, you know, if they couldn't find a spot for Napoli, then and he was a fan favorite. I don't know if they can find a spot for Omar Vizquel. Yeah, and I, I, you know, Joe, I think you know Omar. What got fired after two years of managing in the White Sox minor league system? I, I, I'm not. I haven't talked to him. I, I don't know if he wants to continue on that path to try to get to the, the big leagues as a manager. I would imagine he'd want to, but, uh, you know, and it, there's, you know, I just, you know, internally, I know he, that he was inducted into the Indians hall of fame. Um, I, and I don't know if there's a little rift between the front office and Omar, you know, because when he originally, uh, you know, retired, I thought, you know, they would scoop him up immediately. It could be, you know, one of the, uh, 
you know, a assistant to the baseball operations or something. And I know he wanted to stay in the game, but he went to the angels then he went to the tigers and he went to the white Sox. Uh, so I, I'm not sure um, what's going on there, but I, I'd love to, like you, I'd love to see Omar in, in the organization. I think he'd, he'd be a plus and uh, you know, where, wherever he's, wherever he served, I think he, he would be, you know, that's a high profile guy. He's got a lot of knowledge. I think that would help. So, but you know, we'll see. And I hopefully, if it's not Cleveland, he Omar stays in the game and gets another uh, you know manager's gig in the minors and continues up the ladder. He he probably uh, you know sent too many runners on a straight steals a home. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. For uh, for the White Sox to to to, to fire him, I guess. Uh, well, he was a manager of the year at, at A-Ball, his first job, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Right. And then he moved up to double-A with the same group, and they didn't play so well at this. And uh, they, they got him – they showed him that they made a change. So It'll be interesting to see in, in 2021 uh, when the World Baseball Classic rolls back around if Omar is the, the manager again for Venezuela as well. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Okay. Got one more question here. Let's see. This is from Bobby from Albuquerque. It seems like, uh, you know, Bobby is saying that uh, the, the Indians should definitely keep Jose Ramirez at third base. Uh, he thinks uh, Jose's days as a second baseman are done. And he, uh, he, he kind of compared him. He says he has the same body type as uh, Juan Uribe, <laughs> former uh, tribe uh, third baseman. <laughs> well, yeah, so that makes, he just that says makes sense, they yeah. should they should definitely keep him at third base, you know, unless he goes through a rigorous uh, off season diet and training program headed into the uh, 2020 season. What well, do you think? we we don't know what he's going to look like when he walks in uh, into the first day of spring training, but uh, the comparisons to Juan Uribe are uh, appropriate, I guess. Uh, what was the nickname that uh, that they gave? Or that the, that Uribe and, and the writers gave uh, Ramirez in 2016. Yeah, he was mini me, right? <laughs> what was that? He was he was yeah, he was mini me. Mini me too. He was, but he was, you know, Uribe was a bigger guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, just physically bigger. You know, Jose's a Jose's a little. I mean, he's five nine at best, don't you think? I don't think he's. You know, and if he's know, if he's five nine, I'm six foot. So yeah, I mean, and Uribe's. Uh, Uribe's like was I, he's got to be he was close to six foot I think and uh, and he he was I don't know two thirty two forty I, I would think if Juan Uribe was two thirty then I'm two thirty so <laughs> but but and, and Jose's you know he's I mean it, his body has changed obviously I don't think he can play shortstop anymore no uh, but I think you know if they told him like if they told we talked about this before if they if they told him right now and, and they probably did give him some orders or marching orders or you know wh how to prepare for the off season uh, you're going to play second base I think he'd be in, in shape he's got an infield in his backyard right doesn't he got a right. diamond he's got a whole diamond in his backyard so. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, from following these guys on Instagram and, and, and seeing their posts on a daily basis, uh, it's, it's not out of the question that they, that they gave some of these players some marching orders about nutrition and, and off-season diet because uh, I see Roberto Perez posting what he's eating. And it's almost, like, it's almost like Roberto Perez is posting his meals sometimes on Instagram 
and just being like, oh my God, I've got to eat this. I've got to eat, I've got to eat these vegetables when I really want to be eating something, you know, that tastes good. Uh, I, Roberto Perez is definitely like hate posting on Instagram, all the meals that he's got to eat, uh, to, to try and, you know, necessarily slim down or just, you know, get in shape so that his body is ready for the, the rigors of a 162 game schedule. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I was a little concerned too, you, you know, what in 2018 when they got Tonelson and, and, uh, and uh, Ramirez had to move to second base. He, he certainly didn't look like, you know, the Ramirez I remembered at second base. And uh, I think that's probably where the reader's concern is, you know, and, and, uh, and people keep saying second base is his best position. Well, maybe it was two years ago, but, you know, 20- he's going to have to prove something, uh, you know, this spring. If, if that's the way they go, if they sign a third baseman and they want uh, Jose to play second. 2017, if you remember when Jason uh, Kipnis was dealing with the hamstring and there was, the, you know, they were in the middle of the streak, they were hot, the Indians infield was playing at peak level and you had uh, Lindor and Ramirez up the middle and Santana playing great at first and Gio Urshela was playing third base. That was, that was the best Indians defensive uh, infield of, of the last four or five years. Yeah, that was really solid. They were really solid. And, and Ramirez had so much range. You know, you can see the difference in range. I love Kipnis, but when he was playing second base, there, there was no comparison range-wise and turning the double play. And, and uh, you know, so – but I didn't see that Ramirez again in 2018. And I don't no. know if he was, was, wasn't pleased about the move or, you know, just wasn't physically able to handle it. All right. All right. Well, uh, it's a good, good round of questions there from, uh, from our readers. Keep those coming in uh, as we move forward in the offseason. Uh, let's head into uh, the winter meetings, which are coming up beginning Sunday. Uh, Paul will be heading out to San Diego to uh, basically stalk general managers and uh, coaches in the, in the lobby of the hotel there in San Diego. Uh, what are the Indians looking to do there in San Diego? This, you know, besides listen to about 500 requests for trades for Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Joe, we've been talking about this, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, obviously they need an infielder. They need an infielder to to replace Kipnis, you know, and and it could be a, a second baseman or a third baseman. So they have some flexibility there I think they need, they need an arm or, or at least two arms maybe in the bullpen. I think, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've got like uh, last count. I think they have about 13 players on the free agent market that they've, you know, that they've jettisoned from this club and a bunch of them are, are relievers, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, Tyler Clipper, Dan Otero, Tyler, Tyler Olson, um, you know, so, you know, Cody Anderson, you know, guys like that. Uh, so the, the, I think numbers wise, they're going to have, they're going to have to bring in some arms, especially, you know, well, not, I mean, even if the the roster goes to 26 players this year. Um, and but that 26 players is going to be a position player. Yeah. That'll be a position guy. So but they'll carry 13 pitchers. I would think that's the limit. So, you, you know, I think they could, they could use an upgrade in, in the bullpen. So I think they'll be looking there and I, it would be nice if they could find, you know, an outfielder to play every day, you know, it's not going to, you know, Mercado is going to play close to every day, I would imagine, but you don't know, is Zimmer going to be right? You know, they've got some options in center field and he could, 
you know, he, uh, Francona could platoon out there, I guess. But it would be, you know, it would be nice to find, I'm not saying a guy at the talent level of Brantley or Puig, but it would be nice to find one guy where you don't have to constantly uh, platoon and, you know, carry six or five or six or seven outfielders. Right. If, if that was, I would put my money on them, you know, spend, spending, if they're going to spend, they're either going to try and find an everyday outfielder or a one-year third baseman, you know, because you're not going to have a, a third baseman who's going to sign a, a long-term deal or a multi-year deal uh, if you've got Nolan Jones and he continues to progress and, and is able to come and, and take that third base job, which is like what I, I guess they want ideally, but, but he's never really played AAA, so, you know, that that's going to be a ways off. You, you've got to buy a year at third base uh, if you're if you're going to move Jose Ramirez. Uh, I, I I think you're right about the the middle relief and the the, the bullpen arms. I, I think they solved that problem the same way they did last year by just offering a dozen different guys minor league yeah. deals and and you know bringing them in and and. and Tito has a way of, you know, talking these guys through and, 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 you know, being upfront with them, a guy like a Tyler Clippard who they, they really valued last year and they knew what he was going to be able to give them. And, and he came through for them. I think they can find another Tyler Clippard, you know, this year. Yeah. And, and then maybe they bring Clippard back. Who knows? Entirely possible. But, you know, Tyler Clippard really, you know, probably pitched himself into a, uh, maybe a two-year deal with some club, just you know what he was able to give last year. He was he was like the Swiss Army knife out of the bullpen for the Indians last yeah, year. He, and you know those guys, you know guys like uh, I mean uh, uh, Perez was was fortunate. He signed that multi-year deal, and then uh, and then the, his uh, you know his bone. I mean he he vested his option for next year. But uh, you know Clipper Clipper had pitched good the year before the Indians signed him. He made like seventy-five appearances. For mm-hmm. Toronto, and still got stuck in that, uh, you know, that minor league deal, veteran kind of thing, where you're a free agent and you're in the frozen market. And you know, the the, the Indians signed him late. He came in, he got hurt, and he opened on a DL. He opened in Columbus, and still, you know, came up and you know did a professional job for him. So I think you're right. I think there's going to be guys like that. I think there's always going to be guys like that out there. And uh, you know, Frank Kona does a good job with them, like you said, setting up this bullpen. Well, and we saw the uh, the I believe the Blue Jays picked up AJ Cole and put yeah. him on their their major league roster. So I mean, and he didn't pitch in, incredibly poorly for the Indians last year. He just didn't get a lot of opportunity. I don't think. Yeah, and you know he got he had a great you know he he had good velocity. Uh, his strikeout to walks were pretty good, uh, but you know he, then he got hurt and we didn't right. see him again. I mean, he got hurt and he just he dropped goes- off. He ghosted, man. We were looking for him in the clubhouse every day. He was, he was gone. He was gone. I don't know what the hell happened to him. All right. Well, uh, let's let's get into uh, – you're heading to the winter meetings. I don't know how many times uh, – how many years this is for you heading to the winter meetings. But, uh, you know, what, what? just give us a sense of what happens there uh, when, when Major League Baseball invades San Diego for the winter meetings. Yeah, it's, it's – uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really it's, – it's a cool experience. Um, you know, you go in there. I'm going. I'm getting there mo- Sunday, uh, this Sunday, uh, December eighth. They'll have the uh, modern day era, you know, a- election. They'll they'll have the announcement of of who is uh, 
who's getting in or if anybody's getting in from this year's ballot. Right. And, uh, and, and then, uh, you know, you just kind of, you, you sit and all the writers come into this huge ballroom, you, you know, you set up and then you just kind of work the lobby. You, you know, uh, it's not, you know, the GMs are, are, are not as, uh, as visible as, as they used to be. They mostly just stay in their rooms, you know, their, their hotel suites for, you know, five days and take phone calls and teams and agents visits, you know, pitching their players or they're talking trades. It's, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great, if, if you, if you get a room next to a GM, you're in pretty good shape, you know, <laughs> you, you, know you spend the whole day with your ear against the wall, Put but the that's up to the wall. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that, they usually, that, that rarely, rarely happens. And, uh, but you know, you talk to agents, everybody in baseball goes to these meetings. So you see a lot of old friends, you see, you know, a lot of former Indians. Uh, I saw Larry Sorensen there last year. Wow. Out of nowhere, Larry Sorensen. That was he was one of the first on one of the first Indians teams I covered. But you know, there's all, there's all sorts of guys there. It, it's a fun time. Uh, but you know, and it's and it's better if if the if the team you're covering is doing something. And you know, and in the years as as time has gone by, the winter meetings have kind of you know the activity there has dropped off because the one because of the uh, the the last two years, especially the free agent market. And two, you know, players, they don't have to make trades at the meetings. You know, it used to be, it seemed like that was the place to go. When Gabe Paul was the Indians president, he always made a big deal at the winter meetings because he got the most publicity there and that kind of spurred ticket sales. But, you know, these guys, you know, with, with, uh, you know, social media and, and, you know, the, the, with the ease of being just being in connection with, yeah. you know, your, the, your opposing general managers, you can do a deal anytime. There's no deadline. And, uh, you know, that's why people have suggested that, you know, I think there should be some kind of off season deadline. So, you know, players aren't waiting until February and March to sign, but you know, it, it, you, it's, a. But when you're, if your team is doing something and they're doing something at the winter meetings, it is, it is really fun. It's like your head is on a swivel the whole time. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the modern era ballot for the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, the the committee will be meeting uh, to to elect, you know, hopefully a, a couple of guys from this list because this is a stacked list. Uh, Dwight Evans, Steve Garvey, Tommy John, Don Mattingly, Marvin Miller, Thurman Munson, Dale Murphy, Dave Parker, Ted Simmons, Lou Whitaker. Uh, that's that's a list that. Basically, all those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. There, you can really make an argument for every one of them. Uh, do you expect any of those guys to get elected uh, this year? Yeah, I, I would think so. I think I bet you know at least one, maybe two. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, Jack Morris and Alan Trammell got in off this ballot. Uh, you know, and uh, you know Trammell is uh, Lou Whitaker's uh, longtime double play partner. I mean. You know this, Joe. This ballot is, is to me is almost better than the current BBWA ballot. The guys that are eligible for the Hall of Fame. I mean, you look at guys like Garvey and and Dwight Evans and what they did and how many All Star games they played in and how long they played. And you know, Garvey's stats are unbelievable, especially in the postseason. I, you know, I, it's it's tough uh, to to. And Tommy John won what two hundred eighty eight games, yeah. some crazy number of games like that. I mean, 278 maybe, but close, as close to 300 as probably anybody's going to come in, in a long, long time. 
So, and, you know, so there's a, a date, Ted Simmons, he worked as an Indian scout for a long time here and good dude. And, you know, he was really a great catcher. And then, right. and I think we, we you, you, these guys get, you know, go through 10, I don't know how long they stayed on the ballot, each well, guy. I, that's my question is how are all these guys off the ballot? That's, that's ridiculous to me. They, these guys, most of these guys were, were on when it was 15 years. Yeah. I, I believe. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and a guy like Marvin Miller, I, I, yeah, I Marvin I, Miller should be in, I get it. You know, the, the, the hard feelings or whatever, but this is a guy who without him, you, you've got ex players on this committee. How yeah. are you not, how is it not a priority to yeah, elect this guy? And, and, you know, the best thing, you know, and he, and he died a couple of years ago, and, <sighs> you know, now, you know, but he, he's been on the ballot countless times and, you know, there's always a, a couple owners on there or a couple guys that didn't, that don't vote for him, and and it's it's a shame. I mean, this is a guy that changed the face of baseball, and yeah. and for the better. I mean, he he liberated a whole class of uh, any, a professional athlete. Any player who's on that committee who played after 1972, uh, or or when the when when free agency was instituted, uh, should absolutely be voting for for Marvin Miller without a doubt. So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a heck of a ballot. Uh, you mentioned the the writers sort of get together in the the ballroom there. Um, they'll also be electing the baseball writers association will also be yeah. meeting That's to elect the Spink winner, uh, and there there's some favorites there on on the ballot this year for for the uh, JG Taylor Spink Award, which is uh, won by uh, you know Sheldon Oker a couple of years ago. Uh, what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, uh, uh, Nick Cafardo. Um, is is probably I think Nick Cafardo, who died in spring, who last spring uh, died of uh, aneurysm or a heart attack, going walking into the ballpark, and he he covered the Red Sox for years. Uh, really a good guy, uh, uh, a contemporary of mine. I think we both started covering baseball at the same time, and uh, you know he 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 kind of took over Peter Gammon's you know notes, mm-hmm. that famous uh, Sunday notes column. And uh, made it his own. Just uh, you know, really good writer, good reporter, and I think he's probably the favorite to to get elected. Pat Pat Ro- Patrick uh, Roycey, you know, longtime columnist from uh, Minneapolis, uh, you know, loves baseball. He's a finalist as well. So I think there's there's three guys, and uh, so I. But I think Nick probably gets in. I think he would be the the choice. And then uh, at the winter meeting, Scott Boris uh, always holds uh, sort of holds court there at the uh, at the landing of a, a staircase somewhere. You always see the cameras and the, the reporters gathered around Scott Boris. Uh, he'll be he'll be pitching his next uh, three hundred million dollar man, I'm sure. And look at what look at the roster he has of players. I mean, he's going to control the winter meetings. He'll control this whole uh, this whole uh, uh, you know off season. I mean, he's got Garrett Cole and Strasburg, right? Yeah, and uh, I think he had he had Mustakas. Mustakas signed early too, but he's got six or seven of the best uh, free agents, and uh, he's going to be in his glory. He's got like, you know, he's got like ten assistants. You know, they they move as a group. You know, you you mm-hmm. see him, you know, and uh, he, uh, you know, he's got his uh, his biogra- his books of stats ready for you know to pitch to each client, and uh, it's you know. Danny O'Dowd told me something, uh, 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 something uh, that I always remember about Boros. He goes, 
know, everyone complains about Boris being, you know, hard to deal with and, uh, and you know, that his negotiations get dragged out. But, you know, Daniel Dowd said, you know, Scott Boros isn't hard to deal with. All you got to do is give him everything he wants <laughs> and you get the deal done. So, uh, but he's, he's, you know, he's a great negotiator. And, you know, if you're, if you're a high profile guy, uh, a, a player, you want him as your man, uh, as your agent. And, but you better be prepared to wait too, you know, well, and and you mentioned, you know, he'll be in his glory at the meetings. He'll be in his glory, but he'll still find a way to complain about how everything is against him and his his, his clients. His clients are going to walk out of there with billions of dollars, and he's still going to find a way to complain about how the the structure and the way things are work against him and his clients, which is, you know, that's just the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. He's, he's for total, you know, he wants, he's a, uh... He's an advocate for the players. He, you know, he doesn't believe like a lot of people that every team that cries poor is really poor. And uh, so it's, it's a, you know, he's, he's one of those guys. He's, it's a continual battle with him. And he's, you know, he hasn't, he's, he's really, if you got to, if you're a good baseball player, you want a, you want Boros as your agent. All right. And then the, uh, the, the crowning moment or the, the get out of dodge moment, I guess, for everybody is the Rule Five draft on the the last day, uh, and that's uh, something the Indians. I don't think the Indians were were active last year in it, but uh, well, yeah, I think you know. Well, they just well, you know, as we just before we started this podcast, the Indians, uh, you know, signed James Hoyt, uh, re-signed him to a major league contract, and that gave him forty guys on the forty man roster, filled the roster, so. Before that, they were sitting at 39, and I thought there might be a chance that they would, uh, you know, either make a trade or, or add a player into Rule Five. But right now, it doesn't. You know, they don't have a spot. Uh, but you know, they, they always, you know, they always lose. It seems like uh, you know clubs with good farm systems, you know, always lose some players. I would look. I would look for the Indians. I would think the Indians would would probably lose a couple players in this. They also, you know, fill some needs. You know, at the uh, you know the minor league uh, phase of the draft too, so it's it's something it's interesting to to uh, to watch. Uh, you know, I, uh, there's been some uh, you know great players that have gone into Rule Five. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> Roberto Clemente was a Rule Five, a Rule player. Five guy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know Kelly Gruber, if you remember him, the mm-hmm. Indians lost him. Uh, you know, this was '83 or '84. He became an All-Star third baseman for. Uh, for Toronto. Uh, so, you know, you can find, uh, and uh, Tommy Waddell, who just died, uh, was, uh, was a rule five player that the Indians picked up from uh, Atlanta. And he, you know, gave the Indians a couple good years. So, you know, there's talent there and, you know, the Indians, that's why they work so hard to uh, try to protect those, those 40 man, those 40 play, those, you know, to get the 40 man roster in, in, uh, in line for, for this rule five draft. And, you know, last year, Joe, you know, the Indians had left, you know, they, they booked out of there early in, on uh, Thursday for the Rule 5 draft, Chris Antonetti and Chernoff and Zach Meisel. <laughs> those, those guys were all on the same plane at 9 o'clock. And as they're taking off, the uh, Carlos Santana deal, the three-way deal go breaks with uh, Santana, you know, coming to, back to Cleveland and Carnacion going to Seattle and uh, uh, Yandy Diaz going to uh, um, uh, Tampa Bay and that – so you know, you never know, and that's that's the crazy thing about the uh, winter meetings. 
yeah, chances the Indians lose anybody in the uh, from their minor league system in the Rule Five draft this year. Yeah, I think I think they will. You know, I, uh, uh, there's a kid, uh, Louis Aviedo, mm-hmm. uh, pitcher, and I think he was at uh, Lynchburg. Had mm-hmm. a pretty good year. He was six and six. Uh, you know, there's some outfielders, uh, Kai Tom. That's the uh, one. That, that's the one uh, I'm thinking I, is going to go. Yeah, that that's you know that that you know there's there's six or seven or eight guys they could lose that that I know. Uh, you know, there there was about thirty guys that were you know twenty five thirty guys that were eligible for the Rule Five with the in, you know in the Indians uh, farm system, and they only protected what three guys: Daniel Johnson. Scott Moss and uh, Tristan McKenzie. Right. All right. Well, uh, you know, we'll look forward to your coverage there uh, next week from the rule fi- or from the, uh, the winter meetings. Uh, just uh, really quickly, I want to take a look at the other teams in the AL Central and what they've done uh, just recently in the last couple of weeks. The Twins and the White Sox uh, seem to be loading up. Uh, you wrote over the weekend about, uh, you know, it's not going to be a cakewalk for the Indians in the Central anymore. Uh, the the White Sox definitely they're they're in the 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 lead sort of to to try and land Zach Wheeler out of uh, the the Mets. Uh, they've already signed Yasmani Grandel and they've already given Jose Abreu the the qualifying offer that he accepted. So you know they're they're loading up and this was already a team that could hit the ball. Uh, they just I think they're they're one or two arms away from from being real strong contenders in the Central. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, w- the Wheeler thing is surprise. I guess not surprising, but they said the you know the the talks are already at a hundred million or more for Wheeler, and uh, you know the White Sox what they missed out on uh, Harper and and Machado last last winter. So I guess uh, you know they're they're a little more. They've got some money to burn, and you know they already signed Grandel, Yasmani Grandel, uh, and like you said, re-upped uh, uh, Abreu. So and they went what eleven and eleven and eight eleven and five or I mean they they they, they had a winning record against the Indians I mean they hit them yeah, pretty they were well. eleven and eight. yeah yeah so they 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 did a nice so they're, they're going to be dangerous and the Twins you know have what Odorizzi came back mm-hmm. uh, you know so but you're still they still got I think I thought Wheeler uh, the Twins were in on Wheeler too. Because they've got some, their 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 problem is going to be filling out that rotation with, you know, Odorizzi and and Barrios. Barrios are the only two guys. Kyle Gibson went to uh, Texas, mm-hmm. signed that three year deal with Texas. So they've got some openings in in the rotation. And uh, but if they fill those, they're going to be dangerous again too. Well, I mean, if you think about it, uh, it, it the White Sox are going to try and strike early and get Wheeler. You know, if they can get Wheeler for. A hundred million, you know, it's better than spending three hundred million on Strasburg or Cole. They could, it produces the same effect for them. They just need that arm. Uh, as long as he's healthy, I know Zach Wheeler has dealt with uh, with with injuries uh, in his career. But yeah, I think you're looking at they're they're definitely coming. How can the White Sox not just be the bullies of this division every year? You're looking at. Three small market teams in in the AL Central every year. If the White Sox have this much money to spend, why aren't they spending it? I I don't. I, that doesn't make sense. I, yeah, I think you know it's it's uh, you know uh, Reinsdorf is the owner, and I think uh, you know I think they he picks his spots supposedly. You know when to spend, when not to spend, and you know that if they get Wheeler, 
you know, then you've got Giolito, Cease, you got that uh, Lopez kid, Ronaldo Lopez. Ronaldo Lopez, yeah, he and, gave the Indians and, uh, a pitch. You know, Carlos Rodon, and uh, who's the kid that, that, that throws 100, Kopich? Uh, Kopich, yeah, but wasn't he hurt? He had a Tommy John. He's yeah, coming he off Tommy John, John I think. So he's, he's half a year away at least. Yeah. So, I mean, they could, they, you know, they, they're, they're the big question there is starting pitching, I think, because they've got, they've got a great lineup. All right. All right. Well, uh, that's, uh, that's going to wrap it up here for this week's edition. Uh, I'll leave you with, uh, you know, uh, give me a number, give me a, a percentage chances you think uh, when we come back during the winter meetings next week uh, to talk uh, that you think uh, Lindor or Kluber will be dealt at, at some point next week. Oh boy. I'd say 8%. There you go. I don't think I, I don't, I, I don't think they'll, uh, I don't think they're going to trade either guy right now. I, I really, you know, and we've talked about this. I, you know, I, we've given our reasons for Lindor, but Kluber, I mean, nobody's seen this guy pitch. I mean, and for, I mean, he made seven starts and obviously he's got a tr- great track record, but don't you have to wait and, and, and watch him pitch? Right. I mean, don't you have to see him, see him in spring training? I mean, to, for, to say a team is going to just, okay, I'm, I'm getting Corey Kluber here and, uh, or, I, I don't know. I mean, or, or is he a throw-in in a deal? I, I don't, you know, you say, well, we do wow. this, do this, and do you want Corey Kluber too, you know, in his $17 million uh, contract? I, I just don't I, – I think this is going to take – this is going to have to take some time, I think. If you're going to trade Kluber, I don't think it's, it happens until late in spring training or early in the season. Yeah, uh, if, if he comes out and has even a, an average Corey Kluber beginning to the season – then we're talking about him as a potential, you know, trade deadline piece, uh, depending on what the Indians are doing. But yeah, it'd be interesting. Okay, eight percent. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go twenty five percent. Yeah, one in four chance. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I just put the kiss of death on this thing. There so. you go. <laughs> you know what's happening now. Hoinsey said it. Mark it down, Wednesday, December 4th. <laughs> right. The Indians are definitely not trading Francisco Lindor or Corey Kluber. Uh, we're not going to even get into the whole lake thing. So, <laughs> All right, Paul. Safe travels to San Diego next week, and we will talk to you hopefully uh, at some point from, uh, from the winter meetings as, as we're there on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Great. Okay, Joe. Good deal. <laughs> <laughs>